You're listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au. Um, like always, it's, it's great to see you all this morning. Thanks for joining us. Um, as you can probably guess, we're, we're still in the midst of um, the character and the attributes of God. So we're going to continue to work through that today. Um, and we've been going for quite a while in the attributes and the character of God. And, and each one are uh, just as important as each other. But we've, we've still got a while to go. So we'll keep pushing through and, and keep learning more about God to deepen our relationship with him. And, and obviously our knowledge that they will allow us to, to deepen deepen our relationship and, and the way we worship him as well. So so diving straight into it today, it, it might seem these days that there's not a lot of wisdom in the world. I mean, we don't have to look very far to find reports of people doing foolish foolish ideas or, or thinking that they've got the greatest next great thing. And, and in the aftermath, it just turns out to be a silly, foolish decision that, that they've lost it all or, or things like that. Um, it, doesn't, it doesn't take long to realise that humans can be really, really foolish people. Um, not only in our own lives and things that we do and the mistakes we make and the foolish things we do, but what we see and done in history and, and also the accounts that we can read in the Bible, there's, there's many accounts of, of people being foolish and making foolish decisions. It can often, sometimes we can be left wondering whether is there any common sense or wisdom left in this world. Um, so hopefully you can start to gather where we're going today. Today we're going to be looking at the wisdom of God and the perfect wise wisdom that is God. So so start off, what is wisdom? How do us, us as humans define it? Well, we, we define wisdom as the ability to make the best decision possible with the knowledge of the facts that we know. So wisdom and knowledge tend to go hand in hand in, in our point of view. Um, we can often see that we'll make a decision on what, what we think is best by what we know about a situation or the facts that we know. And, and quite often we can see even the smartest people on this planet get simple things wrong from just the fact of not having the right facts or choosing to ignore something that, that could be really relevant to that, to that theory. Um, quite often um, it goes saying, we got a saying that age comes wisdom and maturity. We don't always see it in everyone's lives, but it's a pretty common trait. And even in Job, it says in Job 12, 12, wisdom is with age and understanding is length of days. Job in the Bible talks about wisdom coming with age and the older we get, the more knowledge we supposedly gain and the better place that we are to make good decisions in life. Our level of wisdom starts at the bottom and it grows as we live our lives. For example, you don't see five-year-olds teaching adults how to sit still and pay attention it's just not the way it goes. You, the five-year-olds are the ones that learn it from older, wiser heads that have been there, done that, and learned that knowledge. So coming, coming back to the wisdom of God, if we were to measure God's wisdom by the way we measure human wisdom, by life experiences learned and, and facts known and things, then in that way, God would trump us anyway because he's noticed the age of the days. He's been around longer than all of us, but, but that's not the way we can measure God's wisdom. Because God's wisdom is not measured in, in the way that we would measure wisdom, the term and the knowledge that we know or how many mistakes were made and learned from those mistakes. But as we know from past characteristics, that God is unchanging and God never makes mistakes. He knows it all. He's all-powerful. And from the knowledge that he already has, that we already have about God, we know that he's unchanging 
and being unchanging, he never has changed in wisdom. He's not getting wiser and he's definitely not getting dumber. Uh, he has always been the wisest you could ever be. God's wisdom is infinite. As he never learns from mistakes, as he never makes mistakes. He, from the get-go, from the very start of creation, he had all the facts and all the knowledge that he needs that, that there is, full stop. Um, he makes the best decisions for the best outcomes for his glory. Psalm 147.5 says, Great is our Lord and abundant in power. His understanding is beyond measure. He is all-knowing. He already has all the facts about everything and it always is in the best position to make the wisest decision there is in every outcome possible. God understands exactly the right way to do something and everything is done out of that perfect knowledge that he has and everything is done exactly the right way, exactly the best way to bring God's glory. God is the definition of perfect wisdom. So jumping after that, it was a pretty long breath sort of intro into what we're going to be looking at today. So we better jump into the word um, to, to put a bit of confirmation behind this. So, so today, a key scripture really that we're going to be using a bit is Daniel 2, 20 to 23. So before we jump into it, I'll give you a bit of context about what's going on in Daniel at the moment. So the, the first chapter begins with King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon. He um, raids, raids Judah um, and he obviously wins. He brings back um, a lot of Judah's people from Jerusalem back to, back to exile to Babylon. Um, we've got a, quite a few main characters. So obviously, Daniel is one of the main characters in the book of Daniel. Big, big surprise there. Um, he's also got a few other guys there as well. Um, so we see in chapter one that King Nebuchadnezzar brings him back and begins to train him up as wise men. Um, so leading up to this, Nebuchadnezzar has a dream and it troubles him greatly. And he seeks the counsel of magicians and wise men and sorcerers that are in his kingdom to interpret this dream, but not just interpret it. To get the full knowledge out of it, he wants them to tell the dream first before they interpret it without him saying it. Um, and obviously the, the magicians and sorcerers out of their, their earthly knowledge can't tell him what it is. They say it's impossible to, to be able to tell him his dream before they interpret it. It's, it's just not possible, apparently. So in turn, um, basically King Nebuchadnezzar in terms of these days gets the grumbles on. He basically he sends orders out there for the wise men, magicians and sorcerers to be put to death. So when Daniel and his, and his mates hear about what's going on, they go to the king's captain to, to ask why the wise men are being killed and, and they find out that it's because no one can tell Nebuchadnezzar what his dream was and then interpret it. So basically we pick up the story where Daniel goes to God and, um, and God gives him what the dream was and the interpretation for that dream. And through that, um, in verses 2, 20 to 23, we find Daniel giving worship to God about his wisdom and his glory. Um, and, and after that, obviously, Daniel was able to interpret King Nebuchadnezzar's dream and, and, and the story in Daniel goes on. Um, so after that, that sort of that intro into what's going on, I'll read to Daniel 20 to 23, what it says, Blessed be the name of God forever and ever, to whom belongs wisdom and might, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and the knowledge to those who have understanding. He reveals deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells in him. To you, O oh God, my Father, I give thanks and praise 
for you have given me wisdom and might. You have made me known known to me and what I've asked for, for you have made known to us the king's matter. So just out of this, these three verses where we see Daniel praising God for giving him wisdom and, and what the dream was, we can actually gain quite a bit of, of who God is in, in his wisdom. Um, we can see that, that God is sovereign in his wisdom. God's wisdom means that the way that he, cho- he chooses to use it as well has the highest outcome and the best result for him and his glory. Everything he does is for the good of his people and his glory. In Romans 16, 27, it says, To the only wise God be the glory forever, more through Christ Jesus. Amen. And as it says in verse 21 of, of 2 Daniel, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. Um, so the first bit we're going to focus on, he, he changes times and seasons. As we can see, God in his wisdom has created everything perfectly, and the seasons are part of that. It's, it's expressed in perfect timing and wisdom and his sovereignty. It is God who has chosen to create seasons. He, um, and if we look at those seasons around the world, not every country or every place is in the right in the same season, but yet it's in the perfect timing for that place. Everything is in its place. Not only are the seasons perfectly timed, but the whole of creation was created by God. At the start, it was planned out perfectly, as we've gone through in, in other preachers. That at the start, it was God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit that set the uh, set in motion the one plan that would, would go for eternity. But through that plan A, it was being planned out with all the facts known and all the knowledge of every outcome, how everything was going to plan out, and in turn, it, in turn, we're left with God's perfect plan A from what God designed in perfect wisdom for all things. What puts in turn that everything in creation has been placed for perfect timing as a result of God's wisdom. Psalm 104, 19 to 24 says, He made the moon to mark the season. The sun goes down when the sun knows when to go down and brings darkness. It becomes night and all the beasts of the forest prowl. The lions roar for their prey. They seek their food for God. The sun rises and steals away. They return and lie down in their dens. Then people go out to work, to labour until evening. How many are your works, Lord? In wisdom you made them all, and the earth is full of your creatures. In wisdom everything was made. God created in perfect timing. Each thing each thing is perfectly laid out so it has all that it needs to survive and to live. When you really put it in perspective, the wisdom of God in creation is a big example of his wisdom. I mean, most of us struggle to keep that pesky indoor plant alive every three weeks. It, do, it seems to be dying every three weeks. But when you put it in perspective, that God created everything that we need and creatures need to survive in six days. Not only has he given us markers of what the day is and when to get up and work and rest and the sun to rise, um, he's placed everything that we need to be able to, to live and survive and to be able to survive well. And all creation and the seasons have been created in his wisdom. The way creation is that God created the world in six days. I like that indoor plant that only seems to last a maximum of three, three weeks. The world is still going. Six days of creation is still more than enough for us to be able to survive and everything that we need to live. It's been perfectly laid out, perfectly timed. In creation, the world was perfectly positioned 
in in our universe. Any close to the sun would all be burnt up. It'd be way too hot. Would would die. And any further away would all freeze. Everything is perfectly balanced in six days. It shows a pretty big example of the wisdom of God of how to design things. So back in Daniel, as it said, he changes times and seasons. He removes kings and sets up kings. He gives wisdom to the wise and knowledge to those who have understanding. We can also see in this verse another one of God's attributes that we've already covered when it applies to wisdom, and that is God is sovereign. As we've gone through that God is sovereign, God applies it to his wisdom and how he chooses to use it. Verse 20 says, Bless is the Lord as the wisdom and might are his. It's God's decision and his only to see that God puts kings in places. He removes kings. He has chosen what time people should be around and what level of earthly authority they should, they should have. We, later, we see in Daniel, later in Daniel in chapter 4, Daniel interprets another one of King Nebuchadnezzar's dream. But this one is where Nebuchadnezzar sees his kingdom stripped away from him for seven years. Uh, a verse of that, Daniel 4.17 says, the sentence is by the decree of the watchers, the decision of, by the word of the holy ones. To the end of that is living may be known that the most high rules the kingdom of men and gives it to whom he will and set over the lowest of men. And Psalm 75, 7, but it is God who executes judgment, putting down one and lifting up another. Romans 13, 1, let every person be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except from God. And those that exist, exist has been instituted by God. God for each time in history, through his sovereign will, for, from the plan that was put into place through his wisdom, has put everyone in the right place at the right time. There's nothing out of the place in God's plan. Nothing surprises him. He's placed everyone in the position that they are for a reason. We might not see it, but once again, we're looking from our wisdom with limited facts and not all the facts. We need to trust in God's wisdom. The wisdom where everything is known by God, that each person is placed for where they are, for the time that they are, for the season that they are, for the authority that they have, have is all done for the God's ultimate plan, for his sovereignty and in his wisdom. So moving on to the next part of Daniel. Wisdom is given to God. As Daniel puts it, puts it he gives wisdom to the wise. We see this in chapter 1 of Daniel. When Daniel and the others get to Babylon, we see God give Daniel and his mates wisdom. So Daniel 1, 17 to 21 says, As for these four youth, God gave them learning skills in all literature and wisdom. And Daniel had understanding in all visions and dreams. At the end of the time, the king had commanded that they should be brought in. The chief of the eunuchs brought them before Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them. Among them, there was none found like Daniel, Hananan, Michelle, and Azara. Therefore, they stood before the king. And in a matter of wisdom and understanding about the king inquired of them, he found them ten times better than all the magicians, enchanters, and all the, his kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. We're seeing this verse, God gives Daniel and the others wisdom, in that they are wiser, they are wiser in the kingdom not just a little bit wiser than all the other magicians and, and wise men that the king has in his service, but they're ten times wiser than them. We gain knowledge of some sort of, some sort of wisdom through our lives, through our experiences. Like I said before, the definition of wisdom is the experiences that we face and the facts that we know. But the worldly wisdom is not spiritual wisdom. 
we see in chapter one of Daniel that magicians and sorcerers in the in the king's council were using worldly wisdom, not spiritual wisdom. And when Daniel and the others used spiritual wisdom from God, it was a greater advice than the uh, other guys could ever offer. That's the problem. The worldly wisdom to begin with is not wisdom at all. In, in God's eyes, he sees it in 1 Corinthians 3, 18 to 20. Let no one deceive themselves. If anyone among you thinks that he is wise in, in this stage, let him become a fool that he may become wise. For wisdom of this world is folly with God. For as written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise, and they are first all. Futile. Sorry. It talks about the wisdom of the world is folly to God. Now, the definition of folly is lack of wisdom or foolishness. We have to be careful what we see as wisdom in our eyes, as the world's version of wisdom is about what you know and how you can interpret a decision. But you're relying on yourself and other people with the same limited knowledge that you use for advice. We might seek someone a lot smarter than we are, but if we're not seeking God, we're relying on our own wisdom to make, make the decision, which you've already worked out is a faulty process made from limited knowledge. And this type of worldly knowledge is just folly, is unwise according to the Bible, but Yet, in, a fall, in our fallen nature, it seems right. The way we live seems wise, but yet it's foolishness to God. When we, when we use the ability of knowledge, it's generally to gain for ourselves and not putting God first. It's our nature to put ourselves first, but that's not a smart option. God calls us to live spiritually, in a spiritual wisdom, not an earthly wisdom. As it says in James 3, 13 to 18, who is wise and understanding among you? By his conduct, let him show his works in the meekness of wisdom. But if you have bitter jealousy and self-ambition in your heart, do not boast and be false to the truth. This is not wisdom that comes down from above, but earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For we are jealous and selfish ambition exists. We will be dis, uh, disordered and every vile practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceful, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And the harvest of righteousness is, shown, is sown in peace by those who make peace. What James is implying is any of our words or deeds that compromise the ability to love God or our neighbour is folly, it's foolishness. The world's wise place themselves in opposition to God operating from his own perspective that seeks only the best for them. We see in James that we should avoid worldly wisdom like the plague and seek godly wisdom. How do we gain this godly wisdom? Well, in James uh, 1, 5 to 6, it says, If any of you lack wisdom, let him ask God, who gives generously, generously with, to all without reproach, and it will be given to him. But let him ask in faith with no doubting, for the one who doubts is like a wave in the sea that is driven and tossed by the wind. We need to be wise and use the word of God to build our, build our lives, to build our lives on as a foundation. And when we rely on wisdom, rely on his wisdom and fully build on him, we're building our lives on the rock. Unlike if we ignore God's word and leave it on a human nature, we are, we are foolish in our decisions and that way it leads to death. It's like, um, as, as we all know, this parable in Matthew twenty four twenty seven is the, the wise and the foolish builder. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does not 
and does them will be like the wise man who builds his house on the rock. When the rain fell down and floods came and the winds blew and beat that house, but it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. Everyone who hears these words of mine and does them will be like the foolish man who built his house on the sand. The rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against the house and it fell and great was the fall of it. We need to build our lives on Christ. We need to to seek him and ask him for that wisdom to be able to build our lives and we need to to keep our lives um, on track with him. There's no point building our lives to, to the way humans think we should. As that, is, that is foolishness. We need to rely on God and build him as a foundation. We just need to ask God for wisdom, basically. As, as James put it before, um, ask and God will give you, give you wisdom. Um, we can see, see in the Bible where people have asked for wisdom and that's happened. Probably the best example of this was Solomon. He asked God for wisdom and God blessed him. He became one of the wisest heads that has been on, on the earth. And then again, we see in Daniel as well that God's giving him wisdom to, to answer um, Nebuchadnezzar's dreams and to interpret those dreams. All we need to do is ask. The only wise decision we can make is coming to Christ and receiving wisdom from Christ as Christ is the origin of perfect wisdom and the place where this wisdom comes from. The next point is God is wise. The next point is that God is wise in, in creation. He's wise in, in how, how this world has been put together and, and who he gives wisdom to. But he's, God is also wise in salvation. There's no hiding from God who knows all. As it says in Daniel 2, back to our key verse, in verse 22, it says, He reveals the deep and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness, and the light dwells with him. When it comes to God, he knows where we stand. There's no hiding from God. As it says, what, um, he knows what is in darkness. God knows exactly where you are and where you stand with God. He is a wise God. There's no hiding, although you might be able to look, you might be able to fool people and, and people's eyes and look like you're living a good and wise life, but on the, on the outside, but deep down, no, God knows what is, what is darkness and what is hidden. But there is a saving grace to this. As the next part says, God is light. Light dwells within him. He is light. What, and what is made light will never be, made, will never be dark again. Job 12.22 says, He uncovers the deep out of darkness and brings deep darkness to light. Through salvation, the darkness is made light. Through Christ alone. 1 Corinthians 1.18-30 says, For the word of the cross is folly to those who are perishing. But those who are being saved, it is the power of God. For it is written, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and the discernment of the discerning of thought. Where is the one who is wise? Where is the scribe? Where is the debater of the age? Has not God made foolish the wisdom of God? Oh, sorry. Has not God made foolish the wisdom of the world? For since in the wisdom of God, the world did not know God's, God through wisdom. It pleases God through the folly of what is preached to save those who believe. For Jews demand signs and Greeks seek wisdom. But we preach Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and follow to the Gentiles. But those who are called both Jew and Greek, Christ the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolish of God is wiser than men and the weakness of God is stronger than men. For consider your calling, brothers. Not many of you are wise according to the world standards. Not many of you were powerful, not many of you were noble at birth, but God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. 
God chose what is low and just flies in the world. Even things that are not to bring to nothing things that are so that no human being might boast in the presence of God. And because of him, you are in Christ Jesus who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. To the unbeliever, the plan of salvation is foolishness. They see it as God sending his own son to die for the world to save them from God's own wrath. And can you imagine the day that Christ was killed? The Jews thought they had won. The disciples couldn't believe that Christ had died and Christ himself was in a tomb. From the world's point of view, the ultimate plan of evil was complete. Christ had been murdered. The enemies of God um, would have been laying back in their own foolishness and wisdom thinking that they had done it. But God in perfect wisdom had planned everything in perfect wisdom from the start. That even plans of pure evil work for his good. How wise God must be for even his enemies to be doing his will. When his enemies intended something for evil, the intent, um, God turns it around for his perfect plan for good. God turns the evil intent to good for those who believe in him. And on the third day, Jesus rose again to an unbelieving world. They would just say, in Aussie terms, if you told someone that doesn't have faith, who doesn't believe in God, or doesn't want to know about it, just pull the other one or your head's been in the clouds too long. But for those who God has blessed with faith, what seems like foolishness to a world becomes the ultimate plan of godly wisdom, the ultimate plan of salvation, the ultimate hope. The matter is that God in perfect wisdom has ordained the way has ordained a way for the love of God to deliver us from the wrath of God without compromising the justice of God, and that's the gospel. That's the light, that when God reveals light through faith in your life, what was dark is now made light. What was hopelessness is now hope. Where there was no meaning, there is meaning. God's wisdom might seem foolish to human wisdom, but through the wisdom of God, it brings life. The Bible puts human wisdom in foolishness. It is foolishness to God. and That's how unbelievers see it. And when we are blessed with faith from God, the gospel makes sense. And through that, we can see God's ultimate plan, God's ultimate wisdom of how Christ came, lived a perfect life without sin, and took our places on that cross to save us. What was dark is now made light. Colossians 2, 2 to 4, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love, to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. The death of Christ is the wisdom of God by which the love of God saves sinners from the wrath of God, all while upholding and demonstrating the righteousness of God in Christ. The only way to be saved is through Christ and faith in him. Can I urge you again? I know I might seem like a broken record like this, but it's so important that um, that where where do you sit with Christ? If you don't know him, can I, can I encourage you to seek him? There's no point hiding as God already knows what, dark, what is dark. God in his wisdom already knows that, and yet Christ still came for you. And I encourage you that um, to seek Christ out is the wisest decision that you could ever make in your life. All right, so moving on for that. So the next point in God's wisdom he's got, is in God's wisdom, he has the perfect plan of salvation 
is perfect in creation and perfect in him. The next point is that God's wisdom is perfect in all ways. Job 37, 14 to 16 says, Hear this, O Job, stop considering the wondrous works of God. Do you know how God lays his commands upon them? He causes lightning of his clouds to shine. Do you know the balancing of the clouds, the wondrous works of him in perfect knowledge? So this, this is pretty quite, quite interesting. Um, uh, in, in verse 16, I love the, the fact of, do you know the balancing of the clouds? This, this really intrigued me. So who possibly knows how to balance a cloud? I, I can't imagine anyone's really thought about it. Um, I thought this was interesting, so I thought I might Google it to see if there is someone actually out there that knows how to balance a cloud. And basically all it comes up with is how to balance your, your cloud using Apple or Samsung. Well, it's basically not what the Bible's talking about here. Um, so I tried again. I tried um, how to balance a rain cloud, thinking that hopefully that would give me a cloud in the sky. And yet it's still trying to sell me a brand new pair of New Balance shoes. The facts are that not even the smartest piece of tech, okay, Google, can tell me how to physically balance a cloud, but yet God knows the answer to this. Goes on to describe all God's work as wondrous works for him with perfect knowledge. His wisdom is perfect in all areas and all aspects beyond our, our comprehension. We can't comprehend the wisdom of God. We just can't understand it. But in perfect wisdom comes perfect salvation, comes perfect plans for our lives, comes perfect, perfect, um, yeah, perfect view of God's wisdom for creation and salvation. And, and what, a, what an unbelievable thing it is that, that we've been saved through the wisdom, uh, through Christ. And that, that is a perfectly wise plan. We don't have to worry about that plan failing. We don't have to worry about the outcome of what if it's wrong because God knows every single outcome, every single, every single way things can turn out. And from the start, in perfect wisdom, they plan the perfect plan that will never fail for those who believe in Christ and to bring God glory. So in conclusion, we need to rest in the wisdom of God and seek the wisdom of God over our lives. We need to be willing for us for him to give us this wisdom. We need to stop asking others for earthly wisdom, but seek God for this godly wisdom as to, wisdom comes from him. We need to work in godly wisdom, not the wisdom of the world. The wisdom of the world is foolish and leads to death, but where the wisdom of God leads to life. We need to allow God to change our hearts and to know that God's wisdom, all things are created and are here for exact time and exact purpose. All authority has been placed by God and through God. God has created for it. And finally, we need to be sure where we stand with God. As God's ultimate plan of salvation is true and wise, also is the warning that for those who aren't saved is, is a life of, of um, pure, of death, of being away from Christ, of, of suffering God's wrath. So where do you stand with God? Can I urge you to seek him out? It would be the wisest decision you have ever made. And that's the end. So I'll, I'll just pray quickly and I'll hand back to Ian. So, Father, we, we thank you, other wise God, Lord. Lord. We thank you, Lord, that you have our lives, Lord, planned out, Lord, that, that you know every outcome of every decision that you've made and, and it's the wisest decision, the wisest way possible, the, the best thing for your glory, Lord, and, and for our lives for who believe in you, Lord. Lord, we pray that your words, Lord, would just sink in our heart, Lord. Lord, we pray we'll just find rest in who you are, Lord, and, and we pray, Lord, that you continue to lead us, Father, Lord, and to, and to learn, Lord, more about you. And um, would you come and lead us this week, Jesus? Amen.
Thanks for listening to City Edge Church. For more information, go to cityedgechurch.com.au.